reverse engineering, right? And that's a big way I look at it. It's where do I want to be, uh, let's say uh, from a yearly standpoint with the amount of business I want to generate and then back engineering that out. So in order to get there, how many, you know, how many relationships do I need to be creating? How many networking things do I need to go to? How many mailers do I need to be sending out? How many landowners do I need to be talking to? Developers, builders? Hey everyone, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Homes podcast. Um, I'm excited to share uh, with you today, Brandon Coachland, who is a realtor and sort of a multifaceted professional that I've gotten to know here in East Nashville, where we both stomp around. And he's got a lot of really interesting uh, things to share, as well as I think a really unique background that's made him successful. And so let's welcome him here. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We were talking a while back when we first met up about this idea that where we come from matters not just because it gives us life experience, but because the things we learn along the way begin to author our steps and our practice in business as we go along. And you're someone that has yet another in the long line of sort of interesting backgrounds of realtors, yet another interesting background because real estate doesn't actually feed from anywhere. It's a funny industry like that. There's not a, a simple, oh, I logically ended up in real estate because I started here. You know, it, it kind of takes from a lot of folks. We see bartenders, we see school teachers, we see, you know, full white collar professionals. I mean, it kind of pulls from a lot of locations and that's, I think, what makes the most interesting flavor of all the different real estate agents and practitioners out there. So what is your background that makes uh, you kind of the agent you are today? Sure. And that's true. I think that real estate is one of those professions does pull from so many different backgrounds I've noticed. And it's unique in that way. And there's not, not, not a lot of other professions, I think, that pull from so many varieties of backgrounds. Yeah. But so my background stems from the fitness space. Hmm. I, started a, I started a gym in East Nashville back in 2012. And um, let, leading up to that, I was getting into that space, coaching at some other facilities and, you know, just building my, my resume and, and coaching individuals and you know small groups of people based on different fitness goals and uh, we opened a gym in east nashville before east nashville was really like the cool spot in town mm, yeah yeah kind of took a gamble on that uh just because you know just being being around nashville you heard a lot about east nashville being up and coming and there's a lot of things happening over here and i kind of wanted to be around this side of town but nice uh took that took that leap and opened a gym and a small little like 1500 square foot garage right off of Gallatin. Like and an auto garage? Yeah, it actually was a, it was previously a moped or Vespa shop, like a mechanic shop. And then it was like a little moped scooter shop. Amazing. Yeah. So it was, you know, like the old school rustic type, like bay doors and very gritty. So you're just grabbing big sort of weights and just yeah. throwing them up in the air right there on Gallatin Road. For, yeah, pretty much. That's because you had the, we had three bay doors that opened right up and you know, right to Gallatin and Gallatin is a, it's a high traffic road over here. I can't here. tell if that's like super embarrassing or like the best advertising. The best. Yes. Amazing. It was, it was amazing. The amount of people that would just, uh, like you, you know, I'd get in conversations with people. Like, hey, what do you, you know, what do you do? What are you guys doing? I'm like, Oh, I got this gym over here. Like, Oh, the one, the one right over here by Kroger. Yeah. 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 Like, Oh, you guys are crazy. We see you out there in the parking lot, like f pulling <laughs> sleds and throwing <laughs> bars around and 
you know, running with sandbags and plates and amazing, but it was great. Yeah. I mean, for that, for that reason, I think that's kind of why it took off pretty quickly in the beginning because it was a lot of basically like free advertising and just being so exposed right there. I'm envisioning, uh, before like influencers, you're like paying some strong man to like come out there and really like lift some big weights to inspire people to come to the gym. Oh yeah. That's awesome. That's so funny. But yeah, it was, um, But you weren't practicing real estate at that time. No. You were just full-time fitness. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. I was full-time fitness and I, I was full-time fitness for probably the majority of, so from 2012 until about 2019, 2019 is when I decided to get my license and start kind of dabbling in real estate as a, on, on the broker transaction side, just because, you know, we, I, I was in a place with the gym where I could sort of offset a lot of the, the operational pieces. Hmm. And I thought that was a good, actually it was a good supplement to the relationships I had in the gym. If that makes sense. Yeah. You because, were able to cross pollinate between. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, there are just so many people that I would interact with on a daily basis and you know, you'd, you'd, people would be moving here. People would be usually one of the first things people in that gym space do when they move to a new town or they're exploring moving to a new town is what gym am I going to go to? So they would come into the gym, start having these conversations and come to find out they're looking for a home or, you know, they're just exploring different pieces in town. It's like, oh, well, I can help you with that. You know, I'm, nice. I'm also in that world so I can at least guide you in the right direction and start having a conversation around that. So was that the plan from the very beginning? Oh, I have this natural place where I'm building a sphere or did you accidentally stumble into that? Yeah, it was not at all the plan. Uh, there was a, nice. I always had an interest in real estate, but more on the investing side, uh, as far as just building, you know, generational wealth or passive income, whatever, whatever direction you want to call that. But there's a lot of different avenues, obviously you can take in, in real estate investing, but that was always something that I had been exploring even since, you know, like my late or late teens, early twenties, um, from a long time ago. So the, the transaction side of being a realtor that didn't come until much later. Hmm. That thought didn't come until much later. So when you got in, I'm sure you were looking at folks all around you, kind of trying to get an eye of what, an idea of what they were doing. But you had this background where you already had been in business. You knew what that entrepreneurial journey looked like a little bit and kind of what it took to carve something out of nothing. So what were you seeing around you with your peers by contrast to what were you trying to do? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that for, and for me, and maybe it helped having that entrepreneurial background because for so long I was kind of on my own. It was, you know, my success was dependent on me and I wasn't being really told what to do by any kind of like boss or superior. So I already had that kind of internal drive where I knew, okay, if I'm, you know, if I'm going to any kind of success I get, it's going to be on me. And it's, it's up to me. Yeah. But, um, I think though, to answer that question, it was just sort of something that it, it was easy to translate real estate from the fitness background with things like, you know, building relationships or building rapport. I mean, that's all we, that's all we did in, in fitness. I mean, of course it's important to know what you're doing in, in the fitness space, but a big piece of it is almost more of like the psychology side of things. Mm being able to understand what somebody's pain points are with, um, you know, maybe something they've struggled with certain goals to get to a better place, you know, physically or mentally, 
uh, from a health standpoint. And I think that translates directly into real estate in that sense where it's people like to work with other folks that they know and they like and they trust. And I had, a, I kind of had a, a, I feel like from all my experience in the, in the fitness world, it's sort of a, a gift for that now in this space. So it was sort of easy to kind of translate that right into. I'm curious, is this something that is learned or taught, right? We're talking, we're digging at this idea of drive. Mm-hmm. And this idea of no one needs to tell me what to do. It's not that I necessarily know what to do, but I know I have to go out and do it or something to get myself ahead, to move the ball down the field, whatever. So you talk about this, you learned it in the fitness world, but now you're also sharing that you had some of these ideas pretty early on. What has been your experience? Is this a learned skill, this drive, or is this um, something that is just kind of in you? Man, that's a really good question. I think that goes back even further. And I think that kind of goes back into the way that we're raised and nice. our upbringings. And yes, totally. I mean, wouldn't you agree in a way? It's- yeah, I was modeled entrepreneurism, a different version of it from a father who was in business for himself in the construction world. Um, so that idea that you didn't have to have someone else tell you what to do, that you could write your own ticket. That Yes, that was modeled to me. But I didn't go towards it right in the beginning. You know, that was scary early on. You know, it's much easier just to sort of hitch your wagon to somebody else. But yeah, that itch was uh, always there. And when I finally felt like I got enough experience at a certain sort of late 20s part of my life, I was like, I think I can launch out. And I had either a healthy dose of stupidity or a healthy dose of bravery or some sort of combination of both that afforded me to ignore those questions because... There is a bit of ignoring the the fear and the risk and the gamble that you kind of have to almost practically For do sure. to drive forward. But yeah, I, I don't know. Coming from a long line of entrepreneurs, is it nurture? Is it in my blood? I don't know. That's a good question. I think so. And for me, and at least in my case, my parents were not entrepreneurs and they, I mean, they would, they would teach us things I think that were good practices for somebody who was, you know, would be an entrepreneur, but that wasn't their background and there really wasn't anybody else in my family that had a a strong entrepreneurial background so i think it was more of just i mean there's so many angles i can take this but you know i i grew up in a kind of like very average middle class kind of american upbringing you know we didn't have like i i i got a job when i was 12 and and i really wanted to it wasn't it wasn't something that my parents were like hey you need to get a job right, right away i remember seeing an ad in the uh, columbus dispatch so this is columbus ohio and it was an ad for a paper route yes this is back when the n- newspaper was yeah, still man, a thing i had a paper route yeah and i saw that ad and it was like you know you can earn 300 dollars a month and for me as a 12 year old i was like are you kidding me it's like a million dollars yeah I, like i can buy stuff that i want i can yeah. like all my hobbies like yeah sign me up call them had my dad and like help me call you know whoever was oh, the yeah. person I needed to call and yeah that's amazing and um it didn't take long at all they called back and they're like yeah we've got a couple paper you know routes that are open right now and and it's funny it's it's a this is a funny story i was so the ad said you know three you could earn three hundred dollars a month so right, right away i'm like planning out all the stuff like all right three hundred dollars a month that means i'm going to make this much in a year and here's all the things i can do At and save. yeah Amazing. yeah and um, when they called back, they're like, yeah, there is a route available, but the route was a smaller route and it would have been closer to like $200 a month. And I was like freaking devastated 
because it like ruined my whole plan. I had to redo everything. I was like, oh no, it's terrible. But um, turns out I got, you know, after like a year, I got moved up to a bigger route. And oh, nice. Yeah. But I think it was just like, it was, it was more so the, you know, I didn't want to have to ask my parents for permission to, to buy something or to, if there was something that I like really wanted, it was like, yeah, I'm going to go get it and figure out a way. How can I, how can I get it? Yeah. You're starting to make it sound like it really was in you. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But I also think that even if you don't have people around you um, that inspire you or that teach you how to be an entrepreneur, you learn the behavior of a certain stick to a certain drive that is really comes in the form of not do my own thing, but like put in the effort. Um, and that's something that I've seen in you that you model this concept of putting in the effort to bear out results, even if the results aren't coming tomorrow, you know, that you have to kind of put the effort in and combine that with some level of patience, which does feel when you start to think about real estate, like, whoa, that is very relevant mm -hmm. because that's kind of like almost everybody's journey in real estate. 100%. Did you feel like that was what you experienced as well? Was that good for you? Easy? Uh, I, it's not easy. I don't think easy would be the right way to say it. I think it's, it's, it's a level of understanding that that's what it will take. Hmm. Uh, and knowing that it, it is a long game in many cases. And I don't think it's something that for the folks that think it does come easy, that's probably a big slap in the face yeah, because yeah, because it's, I mean, I think no matter what it is you're doing in life, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And in, in the sense of real estate, it's this game of, uh, it's going back to the fitness crossovers here, consistency. Uh, you mentioned earlier, like putting in reps and sets and, you know, being super consistent with these, with these plans. It's the same thing, right? Cause it's hard. That is yeah. Hard. Cause it's, you know, it, it doesn't, cause it is it, specifically even where, so I was, we can get to this in a minute, but what I'm doing now in real estate is much different than when I started in 2019. I made that switch about a year ago, specifically into commercial real estate as a commercial real estate advisor and specifically the segment of land development, mm. which is probably the longest deal structures in, in real estate because there's so much to them. Like years. Sometimes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But the, the thought there is that, that you're putting so much work in the front end and you may not see any reward from that work for quite a long time. And so in, in residential, it's much different, but there's still that element of, you know, you have to, you have to build a lot of relationships and you have to be the first person that people think about when they want to either buy or sell their home. And that takes time. Yeah. So there is a long game there, I think. Yeah. I, I think a lot of our listeners um, might be people that are new to real estate. And I think a little encouragement that if you put in the effort and you take the time, it will pay dividends long-term, but there's this holding your breath period that is undeniably difficult. You've got to be structured. You've got to put in the reps or else it's not going to come out, right? You've got to be planting seeds every day. And that is really hard. That was my experience getting into sort of the general real estate side of the world was I went six months without making a dollar when I started out, right? And so I had to go out and I had to be planting seeds and tending these little fledgling relationships pretty much almost daily 
for six months before we turned our very first dollar. And in retrospect, I'm like, oh yeah, that's just part of my story now. However, I'm like, whoa, how did I do that? And I want to honor that yeah, I did a little planning and preparation for it, but I had a loving spouse at the time. Huge. Uh, or we're still married, but you know, at the time she was very <laughs> supportive um, of that, both financially um, and emotionally. And if you're not surrounding yourself with at least some form of support, you know, this journey and this holding your breath period can be immensely difficult um, because it is going to happen. And you, of course, we all love to see the rising stars. You know, they stand up in front of the brokerages or the events and they talk about how they sold X number of deals or X number of dollars, you know, in a year and everybody oohs and ahs. But the truth is for the rest of, you know, the folks listening here, I mean, that's not going to be their story. They're going to have to put in those reps and that effort. And I got to tell you, I am not the guy that sticks to fitness quite as well as some. And so that frustration and that tension relationship of like, I know I need to do it, but I don't. And I kind of get frustrated at myself sometimes for not. That can be an incredible um, tension. So what is something that you help your peers and those around you um, when they're struggling with that tension. Yeah, that's huge. So, and that's huge having the support of a spouse or, cause it was the same with me, especially making that switch into commercial because we understood that it could take quite literally a year before I'm paid right. a dime. And, um, you know, having that support to make that call on, it's a, this is a long-term plan. This is a long-term career path. I think that time blocking is huge. Hmm. And that was, that was actually something I struggled with. Uh, on the on the real estate side coming into it I had a lot of structure in my fitness world just because I did that for so long that it was sort of like ingrained in me at that time where it was you know I'm five six days a week I'm doing a training program or some sort of I'm, I'm, I'm following a, a program and a system and there really was never a question after a period of time where it was whether or not I'm going to do this it's you wake up and you do it if this is a day that's considered an on day where I'm supposed to work out I'm, I'm working out regardless of unless it's like you know you're incredibly sick or there's something else that's in, hindering you from doing it but it was never it was never like this question of you wake up and you're not feeling it and put it off for a day and that took time i think that was something it took time to build up to that kind of being such a uh, deep habit that it never really was an issue but it was an issue coming into real estate because i didn't i didn't quite have the time blocking management understood I think on the front end so that took a little bit of time to get familiar with but you know things like figuring out a, a, a schedule for yourself and having specific days that you're doing specific tasks no matter what and maybe that's you know your your Tuesdays in the afternoon that's your time to network with people like doing like one-on-one -on -one type stuff like when we first met like we yeah. went and grabbed coffee and you know we ended up talking about fitness and business and real estate and crypto, I think yeah, there's a lot of things right. we talked about, but I think though it, it's having those, those time blocks of, okay, I'm, I'm doing this piece that I know is important, maybe not for this reward right quick on the front end, but it's something that it's, it, it needs to be part of my daily time blocking. Yeah. And that could be, you know, typically it's like the prospecting, the networking, the follow-up, the, how are you generating leads? How are you, you know, what, what part of what networking groups are you part of and what are you doing on a daily weekly basis that it's always reverse engineering. Right. And that's a big way I look at it. It's, it's where, where do I want to be? Uh, let's say uh, from a yearly standpoint, 
with the amount of business I want to generate and then back engineering that out. So in order to get there, how many, you know, how many relationships do I need to be creating? How many networking things do I need to go to? How many mailers do I need to be sending out? How many landowners do I need to be talking to? Developers, builders. Hey everyone, it's Kyle, producer for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode, beginning with Brandon's journey from starting a gym to getting his real estate license in 2019, how he used his skills in relationship building to build a client base, and his most recent transition into land development. After the break, Michael and Brandon dive into the importance of following your passion how specialization creates more opportunities for success, and how using your time to learn is incredibly valuable. You don't want to miss it. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and make sure to follow us on Instagram as well at the Business of Homes Pod. Do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at the Business of Homes Podcast at gmail.com. Let's get back to it. So there's a big piece of this that I'm hearing and for all of you that are listening where there's not only the blocking out of time, you've got to set aside and structure time to where if this is what you're working on, then you've got to work on it in a consistent and mm-hmm. regular basis. I'm not even necessarily saying you got to do it for eight hours a day, but you have to have consistency that builds um regularity in your schedule but then you also have to not just set aside the time and then just sit there and kind of hope lightning strikes Mm -hmm. you really need to be able to establish different types of activities or activities that can be done on repeat and then place those strategically like what you're talking about in those time slots and there's all sorts of different activities in real estate you know uh, farming your sphere, managing your CRM, networking, taking extra classes. I mean, there, there's so many things that you can do to bone up and grow and build early on, or even if you're a couple years in, but you're not finding sort of a complete linear rise. And so I want that to be a big takeaway from today, you know, time blocking and really clearly identifying what those actions are right. and doing it. When you talk about those actions, back when you were starting out in real estate, what were you doing for starting Man, out? Man, yeah, and it was it was like the Wild West for me in the beginning because I didn't really know, and I didn't really have any mentorship in the beginning mm. outside of maybe a, a, a little bit. I had, you know, there was a, a woman at the first brokerage I was with that was helping me, and I, you know, I did a few weeks with her just from like a coaching perspective. But as far as like operating my own, treating this as a business and going through my own my own practices, I didn't really have a lot of, support or systems in place. So I was just kind of winging it, Hmm. but you know, you start to realize and you meet tons of other people in the space. And I think what was helpful for me was I found folks that I could create relationships with that were, that I regarded as highly successful in the space. And I would meet them for coffee and pick their brain. And what, you know, what are you doing? Like, how are you, how are you handling your day to day your week to week? And just start to get ideas from them. And so if you had this sort of winging it period, and I'm sure that probably a lot of people identify with that, um, sometimes that sort of, uh, operation ends up having some sort of experience that was like, 
dangerous or bad or, you know, costly or hurtful in some ways. Um, and I feel like those are oftentimes big learning experiences. For sure. Tell me about one okay. of your early big struggles or a big issue that kind of came up where you're like, whoa, this is a real job. This is a real career. And I got to take it seriously because that stung. Yeah, for sure. So I, I can probably think of a few. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like a, one that really stung in the beginning is because, you know, you're learning all this stuff and you're new, but you still want to present yourself as a professional, like you know what you're doing. You know, I don't think it's helpful for a potential client to see that you're this intimidated, you know, new, new guy in the business because they're not going to put their trust in that. So there's this there. I hate I hate the saying fake it till you make it. Yeah, absolutely hate that. But I think there is this element of at least not fake it till you make it, but having confidence, you know, because you do still you still learn a lot getting your license. You have to take the test with the state and you learn about the law and everything else. So. And most of the time when people start, they're probably going to be with a brokerage that, or at least I would recommend that you start with a brokerage that has some sort of support and training. That way you have somebody that you can like fall back on for questions and things like that. But, you know, one of the things that I experienced in the beginning that stung pretty bad was there was, uh, I remember there was a client that I was working with that, you know, we had a listing agreement. Maybe i I probably was too lenient on the expiration of that. It was pretty quick, but it was, you know, it was somebody, it was a client of mine from the fitness space. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this is cool. You know, we're looking for homes and we started looking and I didn't, I don't think I was asking the right questions. You know, I was just kind of like going with it letting her sort of run the show and, and, um, you know, come to find out a couple months into it my listing agreement expired, but I was still, even though it expired, I was still following up and, you know, sending her properties and things like that. And I come to find out like a month later that she sold, she went under contract with another agent yeah. and she, she, uh, closed on a home and I didn't, I didn't, she didn't tell me. It was just like, I just saw it. It was like social media or something. It was yeah. like, Ooh, ouch, that hurts. Yeah. Spend Cause that you time. spent so much time yeah, yeah, getting it back, driving around and you know, on the weekends and yeah, you got to, you got to set the expectations. Yeah, for and sure. And if you go in uh, thinking, oh, okay, I'm, you know, I'm only a couple years into real estate. I don't need to be like, you know, anchoring people down with the buyer's rep agreement. They don't need that, you know, otherwise I'll probably scare them away. Yeah. It doesn't take a couple, it doesn't more than a couple times. Yeah. Of you get stung like that where you're like, okay, I, I mm -hmm. really need to have either a long standing trust and relationship or a buyer's rep agreement, but probably both right. in place. And it's business. And yeah. you can explain it that way. Even if it's somebody that you're really close with or tight with your friends, it's like, Hey, this is, you know, I've even, I've even thrown it at them from an angle of like, Hey, my, my brokerage requires this. This is part of the practice. So, Oh yeah. It makes you know, a ton of sense. And they do. I think they, that's actually something that they do require, but yeah, that stung. And it was, it was sort of like this wake up call of like, okay, one, how, how do I, as a realtor one, create better expectations because they're never going to be met unless they're understood. Mm -hmm. And then two, how do I add more value in this space to where they trust me and they, they don't need to, or want to go try to find somebody else. So that was just, it was just a lot of like, yeah. you know, the wheels started spinning of, okay, you know, you mentioned before you've in time blocking, you want to create space to continue to get education and grow and learn. And that was part of it for me. I thought, okay, maybe I need to learn more. I need to understand the space more all the intricate pieces of it, not, not even just like the deal side, but also the, 
the sales side and in you know taking a person from that initial conversation through a listing agreement to you know yeah. contracts and closing. When you talk about working with these folks now, you've had all these years of experience. What are you doing um, that might be of help to the listeners here to acquire new clients? You know, some people are like hardcore prospectors and some people are networkers, you know, and there's sort of everything in between. So what are you doing to overturn rocks and, and find new clients these days? Sure. Yeah. So in, in my space, it's, it's probably a little different than the, the general real estate folks that are that are doing residential because now I'm specific to commercial and specific to land development and industrial is a secondary piece to that, but mostly land development. So with land, it's a lot of learning that went into that. Uh, there was a lot that went into understanding the political side of it with, Mm. you know, understanding what the city will allow, what the city council people will allow and what their, you know, what their opinions would be of what they want to see in certain neighborhoods, but then also the planning department codes and zoning, uh, and just a lot of understanding all of those pieces and how they all kind of coincide around um, what the highest and best use case for land would be. Yeah. So for me, and right now, what, what a lot of the pieces I focus on when it comes to prospecting will say is, you know, I'm fortunate to be with a, a company who works with a lot of developers and builders and investors. So we have a lot of buyers that are willing and able to buy land for development. So it kind of gives me a better segue to reach out to landowners. I have a buyer pool already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's been a lot of the the case so far. Or I'll do a lot of mailers even. You know, we do, uh, I'll I'll target a specific market. It's a lot of North Nashville is what I've focused on. And I'll send mailers to landowners and I can, you can research you know, all the different parcels and how big they are and how long they've owned it and, and if it's vacant. And, you know, a lot of times there's there's specific parcels that have been owned by family estates and things like that that have just sat on them for generations and they, they don't know really what, what one can be done on it or two, what it's worth. So I'll try to start a conversation around those pieces, you know, and get, and it's worked pretty well. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll find, um, you know, I'll send these mailers just introducing myself and, let them know that we have folks interested in their land and you know, they'll call me. This is an area that I hear a lot of agents um, expressing curiosity and interest in the commercial space and the development space. Um, But it's certainly shrouded in secrecy and a fog of information. I I don't feel like it's really easily um, accessible to learn a lot of this stuff. So where, where did you get some of this education? Was it really in the brokerage or do you have to learn it elsewhere? Well, so I'll go, I'll rewind a little bit. So when I was doing residential, I, I was attending a lot of the local investors groups and meetups. And one of those was RIN and they do a multi they did a multifamily meetup, I think like one, one Thursday every month and kind of realized like my interest isn't in residential, it's in commercial. Hmm. So what am I doing? You know, the residential is good. It's, you know, it's got its perks over commercial with the, like the, the time frame of deals, but that's yeah. not where my passion was. I really enjoyed learning about the commercial side of things. And specifically when it came to land, it was kind of like, it's funny. A lot of people think land are like, that's the easiest type of deal. It's actually the hardest hmm. because of how much goes into understanding all those other things I mentioned before, 
you know, what is the highest and best use case? And then once you determine that, it's like, what, what, what can the density be? What yeah. you have to, you have to understand a lot about zoning regulations and, and land use tables and, you know, and that, that to me was just way more interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of outsiders in just the general public, certainly even those that are new to real estate kind of almost categorically put agents down as like one, one category agent, you mm-hmm. know, one category realtor and, Oh, this person does everything. When the deeper you get in, the more you realize, Oh, there's an incredible amount of complexity here. Property management realtors are wildly different animals than residential buy side realtors, which are kind of a different animal than residential list side mm-hmm. realtors. And all of that's way different than development, which is all different than commercial. And so I think that there is just a lot of folks out there that need to, what you said, follow their passion. Yeah. And you almost need to be asking yourself pretty early in your career, or heck, if you're late in your career and you're just listening, you can still do it now. And that is, you need to be asking yourself those hard questions. Well, what am I passionate about? And if you have been someone that's done no deals or you've done a hundred residential buy side deals, I think you owe it to yourself as a real estate professional to be going out of your way to touch and participate in almost every different type of transaction. Heck, you should be giving your services away to a fellow realtor who's working on a commercial deal. Hey, man, I'll help you do whatever just so I can learn that. Because what if I stumble across the fact that this is what I'm truly passionate about or I'm really interested in? If you've been doing residential, you didn't even know there was another world out there. And I think you owe it to yourself as a professional to sort of see what all the different flavors of ice cream are. Sure. Yeah, 100%. And that's totally true. There, And the thing about commercial that was also really intriguing to me was there are so many different segments in commercial. So as a commercial real estate advisor, yeah, I mean, you're, you're licensed as an agent to do any of those deals. You can do residential or commercial, but we always preface those conversations, especially with residential agents, it's that you know, for example, SVN Excel, we, we offer pretty sweet referrals for commercial deals that are sent to us from residential agents. Hey, oh, that way they don't have money. Yeah. That way they don't have to worry about all the intricate complexities of commercial. They can still get a fat check and stay out of realtor jail. So it's like one of these things that, you know, you move to the commercial space and you've got like, we have people in our office that are specifically focusing on one segment of commercial. So I mentioned mine is land development. We have a guy that's specifically focusing in retail, business brokerage, office, industrial, property management. Yeah. So and multifamily. So there and each one of those has its own path that you can go down that's pretty in depth. You gotta, you gotta learn a lot. Yeah. yeah. So that's why and even in our office, like we have guys that like if a land deal comes up across another another agent's desk, they'll send it to me because that's not their space. They know right. that I'll give them a referral but they don't want to mess with it because it's just going to eat into their their opportunity costs and their time. Yeah. Same thing with me. If I come across a you know retail deal, I would send it to them. I think specialization is something that's not talked about a lot at the brokerage level or at the real estate school level. Um, I think the way real estate school is set up, you really almost legally need to know a little bit about everything. And so you think to yourself, oh, I'm new or... I'm just a realtor and I've been doing it for five or 10 years and I know how to do everything. When, again, the deeper you get in, specialization becomes so apparent and that's most obvious, I think, in the commercial world, like what you're talking about. And so people who are practicing realtors need to be 
moving towards specialization for sure and really trying to get away from generalization nobody wants to work with a general realtor because you're generally only good at everything right you right. know specialization is going to probably be a more attractive place for your sphere um, and certainly for your ability to execute on a given transaction yeah yeah i totally agree and if it's if it's in residential there's still a lot of things you can specialize in no doubt you know you can be first-time home buyers you could be investors uh you could be Neighborhoods. I mean, right, we've seen people that are focused heavily on Creve Hall and really know that stock really well. Um, and of course, different boroughs, East Nashville versus mm-hmm. Murfreesboro, is wildly different. And so specialization ultimately feels like a narrowing of the scope, but in reality, it widens the consumer base in a non-intuitive sort of way because you have a greater level of magnetism, a greater level of attractiveness for a specific audience. And and this is um, such a counterintuitive thing um, that we all have to go through as entrepreneurs because the temptation is try to capture the largest audience right. with the largest level of appeal. Right. You know, I think anybody just starting out, they're going to take any deal that they get, right? Just because they want to get experience and they want to learn. But, you know, there were a couple of deals that it was like in Christiana oh, gosh. or Murphy, you know, past Murfreesboro. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you do those deals and you learn a lot from them. But just, you know, going back to the whole like t- opportunity cost and the value of, of time around a dollar, it's like focusing on that one niche is probably going to be better in the long yeah. run. Start working towards those things while you're working a couple of general transactions. So your average listener to this podcast is probably a residential real estate agent. They've done a number of deals, but they're feeling a little bit stuck and they're feeling like they're spinning their wheels. They're always going back to their library of fires and just kind of dealing with what's ever the top of mind right now. Um, you've had a great track record of knowing how to build multiple things in multiple different business verticals. And the big underlying theme I'm seeing is that you know how to put in the time, put in the effort, put in the reps. What's a little piece of advice that you can give someone who's feeling stuck right now um, to help them sort of get over that hump and, and get into something more regular? Stay consistent. So have have a roadmap set out for yourself for whatever it is specifically that you're working on and just stay consistent. And, you know, for, for, for example, uh, um, my space in land and commercial real estate, I need to create relationships and network with a lot of builders and developers. So I joined two of the large networking organizations specifically for land and builders and developers. One is ULI, the other one is NAOP. Hmm. And that gets me in front of these people and the same can be done in residential and maybe it's, you know, just whatever your specialty is, it could be focused on that, but you need to be consistent in be, be putting yourself out there to be top of mind for people in your sphere for whenever they're ready to buy or sell a home. You're the person they're thinking about, but I think consistency is just going to be a big piece of it. And it's, also connect with other people that you're part part of your groups, your brokerages, teams, or or. So I think that there's this element of when you're getting into a new space and maybe you're not totally familiar with it. I'm I'm all about this idea of just offer your time, like get yes. get connected with those people. And if it doesn't mean you're getting paid right away, that's fine because you're still learning and you're getting skills that that would be valuable in the future because you need to be valuable. You need to be able to provide value to people. So find those top producing agents and 
just get in their ear and be like, Hey, can I, can I just come follow you for a day? Can I hang with you? Could do maybe help you out with some things and maybe yeah. that just get around them. Yeah. That's actually a really good piece of advice because real estate, uh, as an, as a career is a nonlinear compensation sort of career. You know, you're not trading time literally hour by hour, day by day for money. And so if you spend your day doing X versus Y, your earning potential does change and your compensation over time will change, but it's not having an immediate impact of change. And so in some ways you could say that the greatest currency you have as a sort of a newer or even sort of a stuck real estate agent is your time. What mm-hmm. you do with your time is the thing you probably have the most of, and it's the thing you have the most flexibility to do what you want with. And so, yeah, I, I think that there is a prevailing sentiment out in the world out there, definitely amongst younger realtors that like, oh, I can't give away my time because I have to defend and prove that my time is valuable, which I can appreciate that perspective to some extent. But ultimately, look, let's face it. If you're struggling in your business or if you're newer to real estate and your experience or your knowledge is just less than what it should be or what you know it should be, then giving your time away to acquire said knowledge sure. and said experience is literally the best transaction you can make. Sure. And so that would be my big encouragement and certainly something that I have benefited from. And that is talk to the right people and go do the things. Always say yes. And if you're not having opportunities to say yes to, go ask people who can say yes to you that you can give your time to them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I did that. I think I actually leveraged my my fitness background to do that kind of thing early on. I would I would find people that I admired in the space and create a relationship with them and you know, Hey, how can I help you? I would actually ask that question. Like, what can I do for you? And many times it might be helping them with some programming around fitness or some nutritional advice or whatever. And then that kind of, that kind of create like, so maybe you're good at something else that's not in real estate, leverage that a little bit and see see how you, yeah. How can you add value to somebody else's life? Cause yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's always that exchange of you know, people, people still are very generous in a lot of cases and will will probably be happy to like take you in and just let you learn from them. But I think it's better to try to find some way that you can help them. I think that's a great way to put it. And that is look for ways to be valuable to others and then seek those that might be valuable to you and try to create a relationship there. And honestly, that goes even far beyond just mentorship or like learning the business that goes into clients. You know, how can I benefit my client and of course, there's an obvious way that they can benefit me. Well, Brandon, thank you so much yeah. for being here. And uh, I appreciate all that you shared today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Business of Homes podcast. Um, this is Michael Conrad, and I am so lucky to be able to tell these stories and elevate the business side of real estate for you all. So stick with us, and we'll keep sharing all the goods. Talk to you later. Hey everyone, Kyle again, producer for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A big thank you to Brandon Coachland for being a part of our original launch. Go follow him on Instagram at Brandon Coachland, and that's K-O-E-C-H-L-I-N, and let him know how much you enjoyed his story. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and make sure to follow us on Instagram as well at the business of homes pod. Do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at the business of homes podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you again soon.